spirit of jealousy about being from the South to me. I would note that most Southern speakers were brought in because they needed big hitters up here, I understand, so. You go, girl. <laughs> just, just kidding, okay, just, just kidding. Just keep your shirt on now. Just keep your shirt on. Um, I would do my comedy routine, but I told these chicks when they were gonna tell you about their seminars, you're preaching on my time now, so uh, you have to stay on program. Uh, I'm delighted to be with you. Uh, it is uh, just a pleasure for me to be. If you need somebody to interpret for you afterwards, just get the tape, and I'm sure someone can interpret for you. Um, I want to talk with you this afternoon. I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Are you there? Oh, where are the rest of you? Okay. Okay. Oh, I thought people in New York could find it faster or something, you know. We love each other a lot. When waiting to come to this conference, I received an email saying, uh, what will be the title of your message? And generally speaking, I know a little while ahead of time, and when that is requested, I could give it, but I never could find a piece because there were two messages that I felt both needed to be spoken, and yet I knew only one could be spoken. And so even until the last moment when they were ready to run the labels, I did not feel a comfort zone in the Spirit of God to say, well, I'm going here. I made that decision actually after I got here where I felt the Lord wanted me to go because what I was going to speak on was a message called hindrances to the harvest. I just want to tell you, God will say what he wants to say. And I debated back and forth having no clue where Marianne was going. And so I believe now that means that this message needs to come. And then as Sylvia made reference to this, you will see that. And I believe it's where the Lord would have me to go because I want to talk to you about got power. You know, you got milk, got power. And uh, so I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 1. Uh, it's always hard to follow some speakers. You have Mary Ann, who just is a wealth of knowledge and a great communicator, and Sylvia, who has perfect English, and then they put a Southerner up here, and, and um, you know, just with grace and dignity. I'm just me. I will try to stand here and be still, but it's probably not going to happen, and I'm probably going to move around and just enjoy what I do, okay? So that's probably what I will do. Acts chapter 1, June tried to teach me to be a feminine little southern thing. It just hasn't worked real well in the pulpit for me. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commended them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, 
Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit when he has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to bring in the harvest to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, Acts chapter 2. And on the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone was present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability." Godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at the time, and when they heard this sound, they came running to see what it was all about. And they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves with wonder. How can this be, they explained. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking the language of the lands which we were born in. Now, I'm not as educated as Marianne, so I'm going to read this verse the way I would read it, verse 9. Here we are, the P's, the M's, and the E's, the people from M, J, C, P, the province of A, P, P, E, and the area. Now, how many of you just feel blessed right now, all right? And visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabians, and we all hear these people speaking in our languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked. But others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk, that's all, they said. And Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Some of, these, uh, some of you are saying these people are drunk. It is not true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by nine in the morning. No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour my spirit out upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And you know the age of your husband by whether he's visions or dreams as to whether you're married to a young guy or an old guy. And verse 18, and in those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Now, Father, as I open your word, I pray you will open our hearts and our understanding. I ask for an anointing on this pulpit and anointing on those seats this afternoon. I pray that I will speak words that are directly from you, but God, if I speak those and there is not anointed hearing, then we have accomplished nothing. So so I equally pray for anointed hearing to receive and each woman to say, aha, that was my portion. That was my portion. And when we leave that this word will accomplish what you said it would accomplish. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ that it shall be done. Amen. Let's terrorize the devil. You ready? All right. I want you to consider a question with me this morning about yourself. And I want you to ask that if I were to give you a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself as a Christian? Where would you rate yourself as a believer? 
On a one to 10, one, well, you know, at least I'm here. You know, I came. Uh, 10, I'm just so on fire and I'm just walking in line. Just where would you rate yourself this morning? Now, don't tell everybody. Number 10s, don't stand up so we all see you. But you're, you're, you're between a, a one and a 10. Now, after you've thought about that, let me just uh, say it another way. Maybe you're saying, I don't know exactly where I would be on that scale this morning. Well, I want to tell you that while you may not know where you are on that scale, there are three who do know where you are on that scale this morning. Number one, the devil knows where you are on that scale this morning. He knows whether you're a one or a 10 or if you're in between. And here's how he categorizes God's people, in my opinion, which makes it right, so this will help you. (laughs) Number one is he says, she's no problem. She falters every time somebody makes her mad at church, and she shows up sometimes when she wants to. She doesn't have a prayer life. She doesn't really believe that God can move in her life. She's not really doing anything. She has fire insurance to go to heaven, but she's just really no problem. We don't want to waste the energy that we have to displace the plan of God on her because she's just no problem. The second way I believe that he would rate us as she bears watching. She's been to a few wow conferences and she's starting to say, well, maybe this thing is for real and maybe God can actually do something and maybe I ought to take serious this power of God that's resident in me. And, and we need to at least keep our eye on her and be ready just in case she decides to move to that third step. For that third step is, that's a troublemaker. Now, I just want to tell you that when hell says, Paul, we know, and Jesus, we know, I want him to say, and Barbara Benton, we know. I just want hell to say she is on our list because she has taken seriously this thing that God can find a woman over here and if she will walk with him and allow the power of God to come in her that he can take her all the way through to glory but there can be some fun in between and we can terrorize the devil. I want to be on the troublemaker list. Now I just, uh, I just... Uh, I, I just watched these other speakers and I'm delighted to be with them. I'm getting to know some of them over the years. And I just look at them and I get a little, you know, I'm thinking, what am I doing? But you got refined June Evans, just refined. She'll always say I was raised Methodist and never did much wrong and but, you know, and then you got Mary Ann who I think was raised Baptist if I'm not mistaken. And I see that Mary Ann's walk with God, and I've watched Mary Ann through the years in ministry, and then I see eloquent Sylvia over here. And I'm telling you, I was raised heathen. And I'm here to declare to the women here, God can take a heathen in a little city in the south and say, I'll fill her with my glory, I'll save her, I'll find her, and if she will walk with me and let me do a work in her life, I can stand her up to declare my glory if she'll believe that she's got power, if she'll believe that. Now listen to me. Don't clap on my time. They shortened me today, okay? Just hang on. Save it at the end, all right? Now, the devil knows what kind of Christian you are. The second thing is the world knows what kind of Christian you are. 
They absolutely do. I personally believe that there is a world out there that we have seen ourselves made fun of on all the night shows. And ladies, I want you to hear me. Love you, mean it. But they've had a right to make fun in some cases. When we can walk one way and talk another and they find them in adultery and they find them in places they ought not be and they find them saying one thing and doing another and the world knows whether we are real or not. And the third person that knows what kind of Christian you are is the Lord himself. For the Lord himself, I'm sure, looks down as we declare a harvest and says, oh, I want nothing more than a harvest. And I wonder if he doesn't look down, though, and I want you to hang with me because I believe I'm going to tie these two messages together. I believe the Lord looks down and he says, I see a church where people can sleep with someone they're not married to and preach, sing, and teach a Sunday school class the next day. I see a church where if people don't like the pastor or the truth being taught, they'll just leave and go and hear the message they want to hear. I see a church where people don't get to sing, play, or do a certain thing. They get mad and leave, and then they tell everybody else to leave with them. I see a church that through the ritual of prayer proclaims to bind the enemy and yet won't allow God to remove the enemy from their own lives. I wonder if Jesus says, I see a church with greater buildings but less of the power of God. I see a church that no longer has time to linger around the altar. We have to beat the crowd at the restaurant. I see a church where Christian husbands and wives think very little about divorcing because they are unhappy or incompatible. I've been married 35 years to the same man. We've been compatible three or four of those. <laughs> Number eight. I see a church where people don't like the leadership, so they leave and go somewhere else and cannot even speak to the people from the church that they left. And my sisters in God, these things ought not to be. Now, as we look at uh, some of our scriptures that we were given as scriptures to uh, run with this weekend about the harvest, one of the scriptures given is where Jesus says, pray that there will be laborers to go out into the harvest. Now, if you were to connect that with chapter 10 and on, your on time, read the end of 9 and 10, I just think Jesus is pretty cool what he does. Because Jesus says, I need laborers to go into the field. Jesus is out ministering. There are people who are sick and he is healing them. He is bringing hope back into lives. And Jesus basically says, my language, the need is so great, but we do not have enough people out there doing exactly what I'm doing, Jesus says. So pray that there will be laborers in the field. Now, I'm not really surprised that he said to pray that there would be laborers because let me tell you what he tells them in chapter 10. In chapter 10, he says, let me tell you what the field is like. Jesus says, when you go out into the field and preach to them, they're going to put you in jail. Some of you are going to give your lives up. You're going to go out there and they called me the devil. They're going to call you the devil. And I didn't send you to bring peace. There's going to be a sword there. 
And you're going to sometimes uh, be uh, pulled into the councils and the government is going to bring you in and question what you're teaching and preaching. But now don't be afraid when they put you in jail because, I, I mean, I'll be right there with you. And so Jesus describes to them what it is going to be like when they're out in the field. And he says, don't be afraid now. If they kill you, it'll be all right. Because if they kill you, just remember, be more afraid of me who can take body and spirit. Now, how many of you, that just makes you want to go into ministry when Jesus describes that? You just want to go out into the harvest field. Now, here's what I want to say to us, and I'm going to get there as quickly as I can. This is a Pentecostal charismatic conference. I spend half of my ministry with Baptists, Methodists, and other groups feel very led to do that, very comfortable doing that. They know what I am, and they bring me anyway. But I am not ashamed to tell you that I am a born-again woman with a past who got over her past, who's filled with the Holy Ghost, speaks with other tongues, and prays for the power of God to come down on my life. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and allowing power to flow out of my life. My dear friends, we are no longer in an hour if we are truly declaring a harvest is here. We are no longer in an hour where we can come to a conference because we just want to get away from home. At least we can get away from home. And that we can just hang out with our friends and have a good time and we can dance to good music and we can watch the banners. And I'm like, Marianne, I'm not against any of that. But it is an hour where a woman who wants to see a harvest in her home, in her church, in her household has to determine that before I leave this place this weekend, I will go with an authority and a power and I'm going to hang in the harvest until I see God bring forth what I think he is going to bring forth and I'm not going to go home and because somebody in the church said, shut up, I can't be in the harvest anymore was married to a pastor for 33 years. My husband was a pastor. If you never get more than shut up, you're on the good side of things, all right? <laughs> now, what I want us to look at, with all honesty, are the fields we are facing. I think it's a sobering moment in the church. Yes, there's rejoicing. But we got to get real about this, and both of the other speakers have already brought this to us. But we are in a time when our nation yet continues to justify killing the unborn and calling it choice. Oh, I'm not going to stay here. We're going to have power by the time it's over. We are in a time when we want to justify killing the old and the sick, and we call it euthanasia, mercy killing. We justify killing the lame, and we call it mercy. We justify perversion, and we call it an alternative lifestyle. And those of you in the Northeast... Believe me, in the South, we're praying because Massachusetts started the ball rolling and New Jersey is about to follow suit. And I declare to you, women of God, we better rise in the power and the authority of God and forget somebody we don't like in the church and say, the nation depends on me being a woman of power and authority. A power and authority. We justify vulgarity and profanity all over the place and call it freedom of speech. We justify reverence to God and call it freedom of religion. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings and shorter tempers. We have wider freeways and narrow viewpoints. We spend more, we have less, we buy more, we enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families. We have more degrees but less sense. Come on. 
We have more experts, but we have more problems. We have more medicine, but we have more sickness. We have multiplied our possessions, and we have totally reduced our values. We have learned how to make a living, but not how to make a life. We have added years to our life, but we have not added life to the years God has given us. We have higher incomes, but lower morals. These are times of tall men and short character. And on my watch, I say, I don't think so. I take that very, very personally. Very, very personally. Now, our mindset often in the church is if we could just have the right minister of music. Oh, if we could just have the right minister of music. Trust me, you don't want him. Or if you could just have the right minister. Oh, if I could just have the right pastor pastoring my church. Oh, if I could just have more people in the pews. No, what we need is more of the power of God operating in the church again and allowing God to arise and his enemies to be scattered. I was listening to a Christian program just for a few moments the other day. I really couldn't, just couldn't stand to watch it very long. And I heard the speaker get up and say, I'm believing God for a private jet. I want to be just like Paula White. And I have nothing against Paula White. I want to be just like her. God wants me to have a private jet. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to pick them up on a donkey like Jesus got picked up and say, now let me ride you to your next gig for God. Why don't we just get a little humility and understand who needs a private jet? I can get on my bicycle and go preach the gospel and see somebody's life change. And we want a harvest. Now, it's easy to get caught up in that stuff, and I believe God wants to meet every need I have. I didn't even bring enough clothes with me, hallelujah, but Jim said I couldn't do just pantyhose, so I found something to wear this weekend. But I'm here to tell you, if I had to preach it in my blue jeans today, I don't have to be dressed for you. I want the Holy Spirit to move in this place this morning. Now, here's where I want to go. Now, I want you to listen to me for just a second. I just read about something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is not an area I preach in a lot, uh, not because I'm ashamed of it, but in a lot of the circles I'm in, it's just not an area I get to talk about as often as I would probably like to. And we've all heard stories about it, and, and I just want to set a little stage for you because I think I can open the hearts for some women who say, oh, I don't know about that. See, because God brought us all from differing places. I, I always wished I could be like June. The minute she got baptized, from then on, she wanted everything God had. I have fought God tooth and nail. Is anybody in my house today? Let's be real. And God has had to bring me kicking and screaming until the last few years when I learned that way is just a little bit better than my way. But now, I was raised heathen. I was raised so heathen, even the heathens thought we were heathen. That's how heathen we were. <laughs> My parents never went to church, had an alcoholic father, sexually abused his girls, physically abused, beat them to a pulp, lived in that whole land. But I want to tell you that there was a woman who chose to find us. God led her there, took me to church, nasty clothes, matted hair. We lived filthiest people and said, God loves that stinky, nasty little girl there. She took me to church. And I began to learn scripture because she said, I'll pay you to learn scripture. Now, I just think that's a great idea. You'll give me money because we had no money. So she began to teach me uh, scripture and said, if you'll learn these Psalms, I'll give you a dollar. I said, a dollar? Never had a dollar. We were poor. And so she said, I'll give you $5 to learn the books of the Bible. Honey, I knew them before I got home. Learn those books of the Bible. Now, I want you to hear me today. God found a woman 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to find a nasty little girl in the harvest and say, pay her to learn the books of the Bible because she's going to preach all over the country and it helps to know where the books of the Bible are if you're going to do that. Now listen to me. I started going to church on Sunday night. It was just something to do. My dad wouldn't let me go anywhere else, but God moved on his heart and he let me go to church. She would pick me up and that was in the days when they had altar services at the end of the Sunday night service and they would just linger around the altar. I'd want to go home, but boy, they'd linger. And I'd go lay by that woman who'd bring me to church and I'd fall asleep most of the time as a child. But I would hear her speaking in this language and I asked her one day, why do you speak in that language when you pray? You don't want me to hear what you're praying? (laughs) And she just laughed, but I didn't understand what she was saying. And I didn't get saved immediately in that church. As a matter of fact, I went a number of years before I ever really gave my heart to the Lord. And there's some sitting in this room, I just want to tell you, your children are sitting there and you say, they're not getting anything. Oh, baby girl, at 17, when I finally said, I give, there was so much in me seed. And that thing just began to come because I knew the word because somebody paid me to learn it. I knew where the books of the Bible were. I knew a lot of things. And God had so much. Don't tell me don't make your kids go to church. Let them get filled with some work. You don't know what God will pull out of that. Well, they're not getting anything. They don't rise up and call me blessed like they do in Proverbs. They will when they're 42 and they have a 13-year-old. Now listen to me. Finally, I received the Lord and now you hear all these stories. I'm going to tell you a real one. This really happened to me. I'm still this nasty little kid. Now, I got a lot of stuff going on at home. I'm being physically abused, sexually abused, got a lot going on. The church doesn't know about it. But I've been saved now. And this woman, Margarita Poulos, said, I want you to go to the altar and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, that would be fun. She said, all the, all the women are going to come up with you. And I said, well, attention from people. That would be cool. They surrounded me like a posse. This is true. They put me at an altar over here, and the cistern just got all around me. We're talking about the ones with buns and all this. They just circled me. Just, this is true. Now, understand, I'm raised in Heathenville, so I don't know what's going on. And they begin to just speak in tongues over me. Some of them were hitting me on the back of the head. They were shaking me. They were doing all of this stuff and and said, does she have it yet? Does she have it yet? And I didn't know what it was, but I wanted to get it just so I could let them get out of that circle. Listen to me. This is a true story. I didn't even know what I was supposed to be getting because nobody explained that. They just said, you just need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, well, who would want something that would beat you to death? My Lord, have mercy. So I'm at this altar, and finally I thought, I am never going to get out of here. Now, this is real. This is a true story. But I had three years of Spanish under my belt. Listen. Listen to me. I threw up my hands and I said, Yo quiero una carta para mí. Yo quiero una carta para mí. Well, she's got it. Hallelujah. I got up. Listen. 
I got up, I walked out there, and I said, I will never, ever, 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 ever be circled by the posse again. Now listen, I went home, now I want you to hear me, and because they heard what they thought they wanted to hear, they said, oh, she's full of the Holy Spirit. No, I was full of disbelief at that point. So I went home, and I have a very analytical brain. I'm just real analytical. My husband says, I wish you'd be more spontaneous. I said, how about three tomorrow afternoon? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just very, very analytical. I just dissect. God had to bring me out of that because everything had to figure out for me. And so I just wouldn't go to the posse anymore. So when she would take me to church, and, and it would be time to pray, and, and uh, they didn't bother me to put me up there, but I'd go back in a corner uh, over there, and I was just going to you know, be by myself a little while, pray a little bit, and didn't know much about prayer. And one Sunday night, I was just over there by myself, no one around me. And all of a sudden, out of my belly began to flow a language I did not understand. And about 30 to 45 minutes later, that woman came and shook me, and I said, I got it, I got it. No, but what, shook me and said, we have to go home. You've been over here speaking in tongues for nearly an hour. I've got to go home and go to work. There'll be more tomorrow. Get up and let's go. Now, I believe that God lets me declare that because there are some of us, because we've seen all this stuff over here, and we think, well, I don't know if this is real. You're looking at Miss Analytical, that God had to find me in a corner over here and say, Okay, Holy Spirit, just come down on her because she's never going to believe it if somebody's trying to slap it in her mouth or do anything else. But I'm here to tell you I'm a tongue-talking, spirit-filled believer with the language of heaven flowing out of my soul. But I want to tell you this. Then nobody taught me that it should bring power in my life. So we had parties every Sunday night around the altar where we spoke with other tongues. It was fun. I'm not, it was fun. And then the charismatic move. I married a pastor. Boy, that's another story. I married a pastor. I'm from a family where you slap people if they upset you. I upset his ministry the first year. But um, I'm in this, listen to me, different story. Hey, would you agree with me? This is a take her homer statement. Some people in the church are so mean, I could slap them and God would say amen. Okay, that's another day. Listen to me. Then my husband in, in our pastorate, in the middle of the charismatic movement, God just came down. We saw our church go from less than 100 to 400 in seven months. It just zoomed as the Spirit of God came down. We were having glorious times around the altar. We were dancing before the Lord. We were doing all these things and had never been to a seminar to learn it. Not, I'm not against that. The power just came down in that place. The only thing is we still did not understand it was power for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was power against hell itself. It was the power to pray when you do not know how to pray. And I, of all the analytical people, should not be standing here today, except I can tell you that at some point it clicked with me, and I want to just be honest. I'm going to be very honest with you. How many of you rather me do that than tell a lie? Okay. Some of you want to lie. Nah. Okay. Wow changed my life. 
I began to go to hear the speakers at WOW, and they talked like the Holy Spirit was real. Can you believe that? I would hear June Evans talk about all these things, and at first I said, give me a break. Love, you mean it, darling. <laughs> She's my friend. I would watch Marianne Brown, and I would watch these women with authority. I would watch Iverna Tompkins. She had authority. You saluted her when she preached. You didn't say amen. And I said, God, if there's a call on my life, I want to be like those chicks. That's the chicks. Now, I was around a lot of pastor's wife. Nothing wrong with pastor's wives. Minister to them. Love them. They're, they're my pals. I feel called even to minister to them, and I do that. But everybody was this sweet little, everything's okay in my home, and I make good cake to take to the people. That was not me. I knew how to make good cake, but I didn't want to take it to the people. I knew there was a call on my life, and it was not until I began to go to wow, somebody just invited me to one, that I saw powerful women of God, and I said, I feel a call, and I don't want a call to tell you how to make better bread. I want a call to tell you how to move in God and have the strength of God, and this ministry has made me the woman I am today as I've allowed God to mold that. Yes, I believe in wow very much. But now here's where I want to take us into 11 and a half minutes I have left. No, seriously, this is where I want to take us. Jesus made sure that his parting words, and you can take all the Gospels and put them together, and he gave what we call the Great Commission. You can go out and you can disciple people and you can baptize them and they'll be saved. You can uh, heal the sick. You, can, you have all authority to do this. But you need to put it together with Acts chapter 1. He's still talking. And he says, but by the way, don't go do that until you first do this. Go into the upper room, go into a place and wait until the power comes. So when you go in the field to do what I ask, you're not out there trying to do it because if you do, you will falter in a hard hour. And Jesus said, you need the power. I just want to tell you a couple things that the Holy Spirit has done for me that has so changed me. And I believe here I'm on divine appointment. And the reason I believe that is I know there are some people say, I'm not sure about this stuff because I've seen crazy stuff. Every charismatic church has serial Christians, flakes and nuts. Everyone. <laughs> you don't have to be one just because somebody else is and throw out the real. Okay? And so I said, Lord... If this is real, then I want to begin to have the Holy Spirit change my life. I had heard June Evans talk about that many times, how the Spirit of God had changed her life. And I said, this is what I want. And I looked at one man in Scripture, and his name was Simon Peter. His name was Simon, and Jesus gave him the name Peter. And basically, Jesus was saying, you can go from Simon to Peter. But my dear friends, without the Holy Spirit, I think that's an impossible transition. I do. I think that's an impossible transition in the hour when we live especially. So the Holy Spirit comes on Peter. And when the Holy Spirit comes on him, you, you go back and read it. We don't have time to do all that this morning. But up until that point, he had been uh, very impulsive. I, I know none of you suffer that in the church, but he had been very impulsive. He was not a bull in a china shop. He was a walking bull everywhere he went. 
He would get mad if things didn't go right. He'd cut off somebody's ear if they disturbed him. You know what I mean? You know, some of us. And then he denied our Lord. He said, I don't even know him. And Jesus had said, that's what's going to happen before you hear that rooster crow just three times. Now we go over to the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit has come upon Peter. Peter's been a chicken liver up to this point. Peter's been impulsive. Peter's acted in the flesh. Peter would say, I can do this. And then he'd find out he couldn't do this. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and he stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached boldly the word of God. And the word says 3,000 people were birthed into the kingdom at that moment of his preaching. Now that's a big transition for a man who had tried it himself. Now here's what that tells me. The Holy Spirit can help you get past your past. And one of the reasons I believe God has me on the road is because I'm to tell women, Daddy might have done this, but you don't have to live that way. My daddy was a sexual abuser and his daddy was a sexual abuser. But the generational curse ended right here because Mama done raised, listen to me, Mama done raised three fine young men, and one of them's raising a baby girl. Her name is Madison. She's the cutest child that's ever been born on the face of the earth. And I'm here to tell you that's, I love watching that two-year-old cling to her daddy. Why? Because I made a decision. When the Spirit of God came in here, the generational curse stopped right here. Now listen, there are times I know we need to be prayed, generational curse broken, but you have to walk in that. Because that thing will keep visiting you. And you want me to tell you something? I could have slapped my boys around, and sometimes I probably should have. Oh, don't be holy. You know what I mean. <laughs> I should have talked down to them. That was what I had learned. And we get all caught up in this. Well, I can't get past my past. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I hear people, we're declaring a harvest, and we can't get over the past. And God will not let us save a world to bring dysfunctional people into a dysfunctional church. Now listen, Daddy never apologized. We buried him, never saying I'm sorry, never hugging me, never doing that thing. And I could live the rest of my days saying, oh, I can't relate to my husband. Oh, I can't relate to my children. I hate you, Jim Jackson. Get out of here. You're a man. I could do all of that. But I said, that's not the way God operates. Holy Spirit. And I took my prayer language and I began to pray through hurt. Ten years into my marriage, it was still affecting my marriage. And I began to pray, and I said, God, if your word is true, I do not have to live there forever. You have said that I can live this way. But I had to believe that enough to pray in the Spirit and say, I'm not walking over there where I used to live. I want to get past my past because I want a future in God. I want to preach His gospel. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit can help us get past our past. Now, another thing Peter always wanted to do was quit. He'd just get mad and quit. I know you don't do that, so I'll use me. My husband will tell you the first 10 years of pastoral work, he only had to pastor me. And I ask him, do pastors have to have people in their church? Is it an essential fact of this thing? Now, I want you to understand something. First of all, I was an introvert. Still am. 
I told you I had tongues. Okay. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I am an introvert by nature. This is true. I'm very much an introvert. They'll tell you when I'm sitting down there, they'll ask me. Matter of fact, Miss Thing over here, Shauna. Shauna, wave. I want them to distinguish who you are. I spoke in Massachusetts, and I was real quiet around the table. And then I preached the next morning. She said, whoo, woman, I want to be around you. I prayed for my, I called my friends last night and said, you need to pray for Miss Alabama. I think something's wrong with her. <laughs> Not. Nah. I'm an introvert by nature. So I'm an introvert. I've been raised where daddy has beat us to a pulp and done all this, and all the patterns that could ever be evil in the face of the earth were in my home. And then on top of that, my daddy kept his girls under lock and key because we were his possessions sexually. And so I was never allowed to mingle with people except long enough to just go to school and had to come straight home. I never learned how to socialize. And so for the first 10 years of our ministry, I would painfully go to church one minute after it started. And I would leave as soon as my husband said amen. I would not even teach a small children's Sunday school class because I almost had to walk as a downtrodden, head down, bent over woman. Because nobody told me that the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the ability to pray in the Spirit could break those things that have tried to break me. And I began to learn that 10 years into it. How I wish I had had wow those first 10 years. Because then my husband could have said, wow. (laughs) Instead of saying, how. You know what I mean? I saw a sign in Dothan, Alabama. I was driving through there one day on the way to a wow conference. And it said, from Al to wow. Talking about a, a, a doctor. I'm here to tell you, I went from Al to wow, because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit can do things to undo the devil that wants to make you think you can't get past that. You can't get past daddy. You can't get past introversion. You can't get past, and Peter was this guy over here that just wanted to quit and thought he couldn't do it all. And I would want my husband to quit the ministry every other week. That was the third year. It was every week to start with. I said, I can't do this. And then I learned about praying in the Spirit. And then God called me to do what I'm doing. And what God did when he baptized Peter in the Holy Spirit was he called forth the gifting and anointing in his life. And God called me to do what you see me doing right now. And I was Moset. I said, let me explain to you why that will not work. First of all, I'm an introvert. Second of all, I'm Southern, and people in New York can't understand you when you're Southern. Third of all, I don't want to. (laughs) And God said, I called you, I called you, I called you, I called you. And I began to pray in the spirit over that call. Honey, the first time I got up, my knees had more fellowship than charismatics over dinner after Sunday morning service. I thought I'm going to puke, I'm going to die, and I'm going to fall out on this pulpit. And God gloriously let me start with 1,000 Marine Corps women at an air station to preach the gospel when the chaplain said, you can do this. I said, I don't preach. He said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. 
And I went and I was sweating profusely and I thought I'm going to faint on this pulpit. But I had prayed in the spirit and it was the longest walk to that pulpit I ever took. And I began to hold on. And right about five minutes into that message, those Marine Corps women didn't say amen. They said, oorah, oorah. And I watched the power, listen to me, I watched the power of God bring out gifting in an introverted woman. And there are some of you sitting here saying, me, I don't have any gifting, I can't do anything. That is a lie from the pit of the hell. And it will take the giftings under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring in a harvest today. And you don't need to be a preacher. Be hospitable if that's your gift. You don't need to be a teacher. Be whatever your gift is, but let the power of God come on. There can miracles flow if we will do that. But there is power in praying in the Holy Spirit. It will break strongholds. It simply will. Now, let me show you how this works. All right. I promised them we'd be out by lunch. So uh, let's see. I'm from Alabama. It's like 5 to 11 there. Okay. <laughs> After God so delivered the stronghold patterns in my mind of my past, and, and I had learned to pray in the Spirit. And a couple of things happened in our lives. We were going through a hard time in a particular church where my husband was pastor. And I began to have hideous dreams every night. And every time that dream would be a reenactment of the things my father had done to me. I had been totally delivered, prayed through the Spirit. Don't think the enemy won't try to come. He's got the card on your life saying, this will disturb her, this will disturb her, this will bother her. And I could not sleep for weeks on end. And I finally told my husband, I cannot do this anymore. I went to sleep one night. I think I'd taken a sleeping pill. And in the middle of the night, my husband said, I've never forgiven him for not waking me up to see it, but my husband said he woke up and there was a green thing in the corner of our room. Now, God knows my analytical brain, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have thought it was jello from one of the kids or something, but there was a, a green thing in the corner of the room. He said, Barbara, it started moving toward the bed on your side, and I knew then that tormenting demons were trying to drag you right back where God had taken you. He said, I did not know what to do, so I began to pray in the Spirit because the Spirit knew what spirit it was. He said, I did not know. I could have called it the green spirit, but that might not have done the job. He said, I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. He said, when I did that thing, began to just recede back from where you were. I woke up the next morning. I've never been tormented again, and this is 20 years later. All right, you're clapping on my time now. It will break strongholds. Now, why, does it, why is that important to us? The reason that's important is I had one of my children who strayed so far away from God, just so far. And I remembered, I asked June Evans, I, say, I think you were the one I heard say this, and she said every time she would grip the steering wheel of her car to start it, she had a boy that wasn't walking where he needed to with God, she would pray in the spirit of that boy, and I started doing that. I would grab that steering wheel and I'd pray for that boy. And I did that and I just knew that in three minutes he was going to call me and tell me, Mom, I'm out of the bar. I'm out of the drugs. Uh, excuse me, not drugs, but, but the scenes and the places where he was. He wouldn't even call us, wouldn't come around us. I think it was just the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not because we weren't treating him with love and dignity because we were. And I began to pray, and we prayed over that boy, and we prayed over that boy, and God began to show me, you've got to pray in the spirit over that boy. Now, let me show you this. 
You can pray with the Spirit and with understanding, and I think you can do that in English and in tongues. Now, let, let me explain that. Because I watch charismatics flip over into their prayer language while they're doing their nails. Oh, Shaka, who stole my Honda? Who stole my Honda? I don't see it out in the yard. Who stole my Honda? That's called laziness in developing a prayer life. Love you, mean it. And God said, find the scriptures about your family and your son. Pray those in English with fervor, and I am praying with the Spirit with understanding. But the boy has pulled away from us. I don't know everything he's into. I don't know the people that are dragging him in places. I don't know the spirits that are making him question everything he was raised on. And I began to go into that prayer language. And for over six years, we prayed in the spirit. And I believe I released the heavenly forces to go against demonic forces and said, I don't think you're going to have that one. I don't think you're going to have that one. You're not going to have, oh, there's another one. And I prayed in the spirit. And today that boy is out of that bar, about to get married. And let me tell he was so cute. I've been trying to pray him back in church. He doesn't want to go. He wants to get married, and nobody in town will let him get married unless he'll come to church. So now they're going to go to Baptist. It's an ease in. They're going to go there, and they're going to go to one that sings contemporary courses. And he said, Mom, we're going to have to go to church so we can get married. I said, boom, bop, bop, boom. That's called praying in the Spirit. Listen. We can have a harvest, but we have to know how to move in power and authority. Dance these altars. Jump up here with the worship team. Hop those pews. But baby, that will not release a harvest. But what will is a woman of God who says, I have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in me. No devil's going to have my children. No devil's going to have my city. And I want to tell you this in closing for the first time. I was praying over this meeting on Wednesday in my living room. And there's something about moving in the Holy Spirit and your prayer language when you move into warfare worship. And I was just singing songs and, and had my iPod going. I'm 55 and I have an iPod. <laughs> I was enjoying my music. I was by myself, just me and God. Boyfriend wasn't there. It was great. I was having such a good time with God, and I felt a rumble in my gut for this meeting. I began to sing in the Spirit. I began to release that. And in tongues, about every two minutes, it is as if the Spirit would have me insert, in Albany, in Albany, in Albany, in Albany, in Albany. Oh, I expect God to move up in Albany. I expect God to do some things in Albany. Oh, I think some spirits are going to be broken in Albany because the Spirit of God began to move on me. One more thing about singing in the Spirit, and then Mama's done for real. I was standing in a church service one time, and the worship leader had made, had made me mad. Did that ever happen to you? <laughs> so I stood there while they sang, and I did this. Holy, righteous woman that I am, anointed, powerful, and woman of God, there, how dare him to cross me? And I stood there, and I would not sing the song out of defiance. And you know what thrilled my soul? The service was going bad. 
I'm being real with you. And I thought, that'll show him. He can't treat me this way and expect God to move through him. And then the Holy Spirit. I mean, the most anointed thing up to that point had been the announcements. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit captured my attention. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm making a statement. He said, and I think it's the wrong one. Because Barbara, you've forgotten why you even sing a song. You don't sing it to cooperate with a worship guy. Because I don't even have a song unless I understand it's his song. You're looking at a woman, he gave me the song I have. And I begin to weep in that service and I begin to sing and then I melodiously begin to sing in the Spirit. And when I did, my pew began to sing in the Spirit. And over there, another pew began to sing in the Spirit. And up there, another one. And 500 people began to lift their voice. And God broke through in that service. Because one woman sensitive that her flesh was showing itself said, God, forgive me. You are my song. And began to sing. And watch God break that place. There is power in the Holy Spirit. So my question to you as we leave and go to lunch is, got power? Because, baby girl, without it, we're in a rough field out there. But with it, there is no demon that can stand against the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous. And may I say to you, James equated right living with effective prayer. And I don't have time to dance with that one, okay? But it can avail much. I refuse to have children go to hell. I refuse Birmingham, Alabama, the murder capital of this nation right behind New Orleans right now, right where I live. We are praying in the spirit in my prayer group. Stop this murdering spirit, God. We're walking the city to see it happen because I understand there is power in the Holy Spirit for the harvest. Would you stand with me this morning? Praise you, Lord. You Lord, we just love you, Lord. Oh, I love you this morning, Lord. You're worthy, you're worth it all, God. Hallelujah! Thank you for power, God. Thank you for presence, God. Well, glory! Hallelujah! Bless you, Lord. Now, Father, as we leave this place this afternoon, I pray for a harvest from this word. That, Lord, it is dark out there, but we have the power to dispel darkness. And we are the only ones who have it, God. Those of us who walk with you. And though you are more important, Jesus, than the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're the hub of our theology, but thank you for the Holy Spirit that empowers us to keep our children out of hell, that empowers us to move in ministry gifts when we're introverted and think we can't do it, that empowers us in a dark world to present Jesus Christ effectively. And I pray that not one woman will leave this weekend and answer no to the question, got power. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.